Howdy, folks. Happy Thursday. Happy, it's not hump day, but it's past the hump day. And and believe me, right now, I no, uh, I was just going to say, uh, we're getting bombed here, not with live turkeys like at WKRP in Cincinnati, but snow. Um, and, you know, shocking, Buffalo would have snow. But, um, Russ, I went out for my normal morning coffee at 8 o'clock in the morning, and there was a couple inches. So I said, no, nah, why not? I'll go out. And as I was going into the city of Buffalo, um, the other way, coming toward the Buffalo airport, there had been an accident where somebody had gone off one of the exits from the expressway to the, to the throughway, and it had traffic backed up about three miles. So, wow, um, that was that was. And then as I as I'm driving in, it's getting worse and worse and worse. And at that point, it's like, okay. I may as well keep going here because you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, yeah. all I'm going to do is turn back and be stuck in traffic. So, um, you know, I came back and the two inches turned into a foot. So in about, in about three hours, it was, it went from a, a light dusting to heavy snow. Wonderful. Yeah. Start us off the pre-show. Go ahead. All right. Let's talk Antonio Brown. So here's where we are in the saga. It looks like he released a bunch of texts. And of course, people were right, waiting on this, like this is a smoking gun with Bruce Arians, and it really isn't. All it is is Antonio Brown saying, my ankle hurts, and Bruce Arians is like, well, we're playing, everybody's playing, so call me. And here's the crux of it. Antonio Brown could show me 100 pictures of him somewhere getting his ankle worked on, whether it's with the trainer or his own person, and I still won't believe him. Because he also gave a bad accounting of, well, you know, they, they shot me up with this painkiller that the, the PA says is too strong. And so then it's like, why did you do it? Nobody held a gun to your head. You don't have to do it. And then all of a sudden, hold on. And then all of a sudden you find out that he's getting also treated by Alex Guerrero, who, if you remember, was with the Patriots and Tom Brady and Belichick kicked him out because he didn't like the way that guy was acting. And of course, Antonio Brown goes, hey, I gave that guy a hundred grand. And he didn't do anything for me. And it's like, this is why you can't let these kinds of guys, there should be rules in this sport, but the NFL is the, is the wild, 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 wild west. But guys shouldn't be able to sign on teammates. And, and for, he's, at, he's asking for a, a, part, a refund. I don't think this guy is yeah. going to give it to him. unless No, now but it's a conflict of interest anyhow when you have players like Brady and then you have this trainer – and now the trainer's trying to hit up all the other players. And if he's getting like a hundred grand a player, just imagine the money he's pulling in. And this is now, where I think Belichick probably was upset about. Yeah, I was gonna bring up is like, gee, personal trainer Brian McNamee? Yeah. You know, like Victor Conti. Uh yeah. yeah, no, but but okay, I don't think that's going on. Although no, the, NFL, the NFL turns their turns a blind eye to steroids. Um, but no, the interesting thing here was and I'm sure that nobody will believe him unless he produces the X-rays. But that the that Antonio Brown is basically saying I have you know chip fractures and a torn ligament, and you know if they shot him up, then that's an excuse for you know, like well he didn't look like his ankle was hurting him when he was when he was uh, waving goodbye to the fans at the at the stadium. But if he was shot up, then he wasn't feeling any pain on it. But I mean, really. I think that the texts that have been released and the the statement, um, you know, 
uh, right now, like as of Monday, everybody thought Antonio Brown is a kook and like Funky said. A oh, I still think that. I still think that, but I think there's there could there could be some, um, I think negative thing here towards Arians. Oh, I'm sure there's a little something negative here towards Arians, but at the end of the day, like everything Brown complained about was his own fault, and he could have prevented it. He again, he didn't have to get shot up. He didn't have to have Alex Guerrero pretend that he's treating him for whatever. Maybe even Antonio Brown thought under Alex Guerrero's care that he was vaccinated. Who knows what this guy's thinking? That's the whole thing about all of this. If Brown wasn't losing money, we wouldn't know about any of this, Mike. But the fact that he lost money with the vaccination card and then he got kicked off the team and they didn't want to pay him his last game check. Now he's basically trying to dime out and blame everybody else. And this is what Antonio Brown does. He's done this his entire career. All right, let's start the show. Uh, I should be joining us any minute. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Thursday, January 6th, 2022. I know Mike has a calendar right next to him. X just not that good, but Mike almost screwed up. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. I was burping. That's what the the problem was, Russ. It just, you know, hey, excuse me. Uh, And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast. You know, no insurrection talk here today uh, on the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. You just had it. I wasn't going to say anything. Well, I said no insurrection talk. So that's it. You just said it again. Jesus Christ. Um, All right, let's start with the games last night. Um, Start with the one that we – we did a uh, did a secondary audio broadcast on, which was pretty interesting to do. Um, we'll we'll talk about that later. Um, you know, in in the coming. Thanks for those who tuned in. Yes, yes. Th- th- thank you, especially to Cam Young who came on and talked with us. Um, the uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs beat the Edmonton Oilers, the shorthanded Edmonton Oilers. We'll make that caveat. Uh, without Connor McDavid, without Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who apparently is going to be out for multiple weeks with an injury uh, without Derek Ryan and Tyson Berry. McDavid also was COVID. So without a significant chunk, two of their better forwards. Yep. Um, Mike Smith played well. I thought that the Leafs were outworked for, you know, a sizable chunk of that game. game. Yeah. Sizable chunk. And uh, only in the third period when Russ's favorite Ilya Mikheyev scored the game winner, uh, did the Leafs prevail. Uh now ended up being four two with an empty netter, but you know let's talk about let's talk about the game itself, Russ. Well, I'm going to talk about Mikheyev first because we did this thing called the hot seat, and we had a guest on Peter Harling, and I asked him, "Do you think Ilya Mikheyev has some upside in this league? Because I like his speed, I like his shot, I feel like he does." Mike didn't feel like he has that much upside, and Peter didn't either, and. I was like, okay, well, I disagree, and he did get the game winner, and I was happy for the guy. Now, that doesn't mean Mike doesn't like him. Listen, all Mike was going on was what he's seen in the past, but I'm just saying there's something to him that I could see why they are continuing to play him because he does have some good speed. He has size. He's got reach. He's got a heck of a shot. You figure at some point it might start to go in for him, and he had a couple of good looks before that happened so other than that Campbell played well always uh, he's always played well for the Leafs uh we really can't say anything otherwise Leafs defense was a little loose for when they were losing um puck possession 
first period, they had no puck possession for like the first six, seven minutes. I don't know what the, you know, the deal was. Uh, I do want to let everybody know that Mitch Marner hasn't scored a power play goal since February 1st, 2020. Uh, I do feel like everybody needs to know that because Sportsnet flashed it up. Uh, uh, the power play was men's amends. You know, it, it showed some good things. It showed some bad things. But at the end of the day, the Leafs did what they needed to do. Edmonton played a spirited game. Yes. Now, the problem is they just got outmanned in the end. Like, And at the end of the game, you could see Dreisaitl was visibly upset. You could see Tippett you know, was out of there quickly. He, you know, he basically hauled ass out of there. Now, apparently he was yelling at Bouchard. Somebody was putting on Twitter about something. I don't know what that might have been because Bouchard had a hell of a third period. But maybe Bouchard said something. I don't know. But the idea was Evan Bouchard played great in that third period. We were questioning in the game, what was he doing? Because we didn't really notice him. And he stepped up. So it was an interesting game. I mean, I felt like the young guys for the – for the Edmonton Oilers, Bouchard and McLeod played good games. Mm -hmm. And some of their other guys were okay. Uh, Perlini stepped up big time. That's yeah, but, uh, one like, time. No. like I told you, Perlini, this is the second game this year that Perlini, you know, Perlini was in the lineup against uh, the Leafs and he played like that. I think Perlini only shows up when his relatives in Ontario are watching. Um, because he hasn't really done much this year. No, it, he was like that in, in juniors, though. It, this is the closest I've seen him play like he played in juniors. So I don't know what's happened to his game. I will tell you who played a really good game, though, and this is a guy who I'd say every couple of years looks good and then doesn't, and it's Colton Sevier. Like, he set up one of the goals, and, you know, Yamamoto got an assist on the other. I was happy for that. But yeah, per, Sevier's I mean, pass was really good. I mean, since since scoring his first three years in the NHL, Perlini scored 14, 17, uh, and 12, the first two with Arizona, the next uh, with uh, Chicago. Um, the last two years, he had one goal in 39 games for Detroit, and this year he has two goals in 17 games for Edmonton. So, you know, I, like I said, I think his two best games were the two games against Toronto. And that happens, right? There's guys that definitely yeah. elevate their game under certain circumstances. We also felt like without McDavid, they were going to try and defend the house as best they could. And remember, he's the he's the son of Fred Perlini, who yeah. played for the Leafs in the in the early '80s. So there's and a, a Facebook friend. Fred Perlini is mm -hmm. cool. Um, okay, touching touching on uh, McKayev first. Um, Right. Okay. He's got three goals in three games right now. He scored two against Ottawa. He scored one against Edmonton, two goals on the power play when previously he had not been on the power play. So they're giving him an opportunity. It's a contract year for him. Um, he had requested to be traded last off season because they didn't have the confidence him to confidence in him to be in the top six. And that was justified because his shooting percentage in his first two years, 8.2 and 6.5. He's been given opportunity. He's been given opportunity in the top six, playing with Tavares, playing. I don't remember him playing with Matthews, but he did play with Tavares. He has never been able to score. This year, um, he broke his thumb in the last game of spring, uh, of, uh, of training camp uh, when he had a he had a good camp. Um, and right now, this is optimistic. You know, this is uh, very op. You know, you have to be optimistic based on the way he's played so far. But again, this is another thing. 
This is a contract year for him. He's a UFA at the end of the year. He's he wants to make some money. I and I, I don't blame him. It's but but you know right now, um, he because I believe he signed a two year deal coming out of his ELC. Um, you know if he puts up you know a prorated twenty twenty five goals, he could go out go someplace and make three three and a half four million dollars. That won't be in Toronto. I mean they won't. Well, be able- I'll tell you two things, Mike. Two stats. Uh, Michael Bunting has a 10.4 shooting percentage. Mm-hmm. Ilya Mikheyev is 23. Right. Ilya Mikheyev is only four goals behind the great Michael Bunting. Russ, this is an, he, he's got three goals in three games. This is an outlier is what I'm saying. I mean, okay, if he's shooting 23% after – He's not going to shoot 23%. Then shut up. No, what I am going to say is he's got three goals and the great Michael Bunting only has seven. That's what I'm saying. All right, so Bucking had a pretty good game too. He had an assist. Yes. Uh, As for Edmonton, and we won't dwell on them too much because we talked about them a lot yesterday. Um, I have to say, you know, there was a good effort yesterday, and Mike Mike Smith played well. But you know, there's just open questioning now, Russ, about you know the direction of this team. You know, I I can't, I I don't want to misread the look of frustration on Drysital's face, but um. McDavid and Dreisaitl, I, I would be I would be shocked, shocked if they are not at the point of like after this year talking to Holland about, you know, if this team doesn't go anywhere, you know, here's my list. And I'm not saying like right away, but it's like, I mean, you know, remember, don't say that that's not possible because Jack, oh, Eichel, possible. Jack Eichel was very happy in Buffalo until – he wasn't happy in Buffalo right. and Buffalo is almost as much as a, I mean, Edmonton is almost as much as of a train wreck as, as Edmonton is. I mean, Edmonton is a higher functioning train wreck, but a train wreck, train wreck, just the same. So I, I don't know. I would say this. I think by next year at the deadline, if Edmonton hasn't made any gains, teams are going to inquire about McDavid and we might hear something about McDavid. Dreisaitl might play it cool, though. He might stay because if McDavid leaves, he's the number one guy. He could get paid more than two. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I hear you, but, but I mean, and remember, well, I think that decision will be made early because Dreisaitl has a year, has three years left at 8.5. McDavid has four years left at 12.5. Not to say that McDavid won't say, get me out of here before then, but I think Dreisaitl is going to go for go wherever the biggest payday is, and maybe that'll be Edmonton. And it maybe. might be Edmonton if, if McDavid leaves. They may have to overpay him to get there to, to stay. Well, they're going to have to overpay him. I mean, he could, they, he could say 20%. Yeah. And, you know, if they say we can't do that, then – See ya. But I think, but I think that's what could happen. But I do think we're going to start hearing about it next year if we don't see improvement. And because again, like how many coaches is McDavid going to go through? How many different lineups is he going to go through? He is going to get tired of it at some point. He's probably partially tired of it now. Yeah. The other game was the Penguins uh, versus the Blues. Penguins win five to three. The Penguins have won nine in a row. And I mean that really sort of snuck up on me because I know they I know they were playing really well. I didn't know that they were that playing that well. And th- again, this is all without 
Malkin. No, I knew they were playing that well. Um, I'll tell you what. In this game, they were losing. St. Louis had the lead. Crosby decided he had had enough of, uh, what's his, Mikola. Uh, yeah, uh, Miko Mikola. Miko Mikola. And not Michelob. Mikola. He started up with them. And look, Crosby's given up like 50 pounds to the guy. He's like 6'4". And Crosby held his own for a little while. And then Mikola got him a shot on his nose. And Crosby had to get stitches. But it really did ignite his team. Now, here's what was an interesting thing. Two things really got me. Most times in the NHL when there's a fight, it doesn't spark the team anymore. It sparked the team because it was Crosby. That's why his line mates got fired up. If it wasn't Crosby, I don't think it would have meant anything. I don't even think they would have come back and won. Because it was Crosby, I, th- I felt like it had more impact. Now, it is interesting how in this era, one of the best players in the last you know decade, it actually has to stand up for himself and do it where back in the day Gretzky had guys doing it for him, right? You would never see Gretzky fight a guy like that. It would never have happened. The league probably would have like somehow expelled <laughs> Mikola if, well, no, no, if well, he okay. did that with Gretzky. Well, okay, and, and Leaf fans will remember this. There was a Leaf player. He was a, like a fourth-line guy, coincidentally named Bill McCreary, not the not Bill McCreary, yet, no. the referee. Right who hit Gretzky in a game in Edmonton. I think this was like 81, something like that. Hit him at center ice and knocked him silly. And, of course, like everybody went after him. He maybe played three more games in the NHL before they sent him down, and he was never heard from again. And I'll bet you anything that part of it was you deemed to hit our meal ticket. God, you know, God smites you, Bill McCreary. So, yeah, I was like – um, but my question is, is whether, you know, Brian Burke will say, okay, we need to get, not Ryan Reeves, we need to get some physicality here to protect Sid and to protect him. They really don't have anybody like that anymore. No, but I mean, Rodriguez can certainly handle himself. I've seen him do that. Yeah, but he's playing, but he, too, he's playing too well. To- I know, I know. But it is interesting that Crosby did it himself, and they do have – a great team bonding thing going there, Mike. It's like, again, Rodriguez got the game winner. He's on the top power play. He has a good shot. Like there's no reason Rodriguez was a really good player in college. I'm pretty sure he was on the same line as Eichel. Yeah. Um, Thank you to Anthony Mangione who forwarded us the, this uh, message from, or this uh, update from, uh, from Frank Cervalli and also uh, uh, Chris Peters was reporting this. Yeah, they were on the same line. Um, a list of 15 players that, and this was something that we heard about yesterday from Kevin Allen, that there would be more than a few, more than a few uh, U.S. college players to be invited by Team USA for the upcoming Olympics. Um, now, there are some here that are former, that are uh, uh, KHL players. I'll read them off first. Uh, Kenny Agostino, former Leaf, former Calgary Flame. Good speed. Good speed. Um, let's see here. Andy Milley, former Win- former uh, Arizona Coyote. I think he was winning with Winnipeg, too, or New Jersey. Uh, Brian O'Neill, who's playing for Yoker in the KHL. 
Uh, let's see here. Uh, Stephen Camfer, former Boston Bruin defenseman, playing with the uh, Akbar's Kazan in the KHL. Um, David Warshawski, former relief, former Penguin. I remember him. Uh, he's playing in the DEL. Uh, Strauss Mann, a goaltender who I don't know. I, I don't, don't know him. him. He's playing for Skeltva in the uh, SHL. Now here you go. Here are the here are the here are the uh, college players. Matty Beneers, uh, Seattle first round pick, now with Michigan. Noah Cates, Philadelphia Flyers prospect, playing with Minnesota Duluth. Matthew Nyes, Toronto Maple Leafs second round pick with Minnesota. Ben Myers, an undrafted free agent with Minnesota. Nathan Smith, Minnesota State, a Winnipeg draft pick. Uh, Brock Faber, a lot of Minnesota guys here. Brock Faber, LA. Yeah, Faber, well, they had the coach of Minnesota, the assistant coach of Minnesota is okay. on the bench. Uh, Drew, I'm sorry, the coach of Minnesota. Wait, he's the head coach of Minnesota, but he's an assistant coach for the Olympic team. An assistant coach to David Quinn. Uh, Drew Hellison, Boston College, a Colorado prospect. Uh, Aaron Ness, who's a uh, an AHL contract with Providence. Uh, and Jake Sanderson from North Dakota. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight college players. And yeah. that, um, and it's Minnesota state, Mankato. It's not, it's not, you know, the golden gophers. Um, oh, yeah. Minnesota state, I said Minnesota state. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, Faber is a hell of a talent. There's a, there's some good talent there. Obviously Beneers like Michigan's going to be without Beneers and, um, Owen power. That's, that's crazy. This could affect some of the races in college. I'm surprised that the colleges did this, but I, I don't know um, well, what the rules are as far as like schooling and these other things. What it always well, was a gray area, and we've never seen guys go like at this rate. And according to this, they, they said the list is still fluid, so that doesn't mean yeah. that all of them will accept. I'm sure right. some of them will, some of them won't. You know, with with Canada, you know, Power is somebody we know uh, has been invited. We don't know if he's gonna if he's gonna go. The, the you know the list that we he's gonna heard. go. Veneers is gonna probably. go probably. Um, so I mean, hey, like I said, 2018 was an opportunity for these players to to play at an international stage. I mean, Troy <clears throat> Terry, Troy Terry did. Uh, I think Adam Fox was on the U.S. wasn't he in uh, in 2018? In World Juniors, yeah. No, no, 2018 and the, oh, the 2018. Olympics. You're talking about the Olympics. Sorry, yeah, um, I, think, I think he was. I think he was. Yeah, in he may have been there. Yeah, because I think I he was at Harvard, sure, but he may have been. Yeah, I think he was at Harvard's. Any, any, any yeah. was Carolina pick, but he was eligible. I know Jordan Greenway. He he was there. So, um, this is a lot. Like this, this will affect college hockey. This isn't just you know you're 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 removing some of these teams' best players. Yeah. Yes. Um. Now, a couple things here. Um, there's a note here from Renault Lavoie that the Canadians won't resume activities before January 9th because they've had some COVID positives. And um, they're not playing any home games between now and January 27th. Uh, the, and the news that was announced last yesterday, um, well, Tuesday, the Leafs and the Islanders flip-flopped home games. Uh, the, Island, the, the Leafs will play on Long Island later this month and then um, it was not okay. Adam Fox was not on the team. I thought he, I thought he was, but, um, I'm sorry. Um, the, so the Leafs had a home game against the Islanders in late January. Now they're playing at the UBS 
Yeah, um, Fox wasn't on the team. Like I, I know, I just I just said that. But you did. Oh, I missed that. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and uh, shows how much you're listening to me. Too, bro. Yeah. Well. No. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the Leafs will play. Uh, the, the the Islanders will visit Toronto in April. Now they've moved uh, the New Jersey Devils game that was on the 17th to uh, uh, that postponed it. They're going to schedule it at a later point. So now, right now. The Leafs have one more game in January, and the and the Habs have one more game in January, and both of them are against Anaheim. Um, they could reschedule that one, but the thing is, you know, it, it depends on whether Anaheim has enough of a time frame for them to come to Quebec and Ontario later in the season. So they may end up playing those games in with no fans in the stands. But right now, it's like I think most of these Canadian teams, Russ, are going to be playing most of January outside of Canada because yep. Canadian cities are, are limiting or completely eliminating uh, fans. Yeah. I mean, I've already heard the the whining that, well, now that they have to go play in the U S they're in a disadvantage. They're not necessarily at a disadvantage. They'll have all these home games uh, towards the end of the season, which could be an advantage. So yeah, that, worked, that worked out for the Islanders, didn't it? <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I don't know how it's going to really work out, but they got to keep playing. Like at the end of the day, you you go look at this the, the Flyers team right now that's going to go up against the Penguins. It's crazy. The lineup is crazy. It's half of Lehigh now. So yeah. it is what it is right now. Um, okay, so the big news that has come out over the last 24 hours is, and it's not a shock because we've been speculating about this since – he sort of semi-retired or had this had the hip surgery that I think it was a labrum uh, surgery that Tuka Rask uh, will be back with the Bruins. He is signing a he signed a PTO to play in Providence, and Elliot Friedman just um, mentioned on uh, on the radio uh, about an hour ago that the plan is is him for him to play a few games in the AHL and then by next week sign a, a one year contract with the Bruins at the and Dunkin Donuts Center. I've been there. Is that where Providence's play place? Okay. Um so yeah, so he'll play two or three games in the AHL and then come up and they will send uh, Jer- uh Swain, Jeremy Swayman down to the AHL and an interesting thing. No, they're going to send Swayman down for Rask. Yeah, no. since, since Swayman is on his ELC and is waiver exempt, he can't play on the practice squad. Right. On the taxi squad, you can't play. That's the fine. He's better off playing anyway. Yeah, oh, I think that's the reason why they, they they you know they want the young guys to actually play. So yeah. Um, but I mean, this isn't a surprise, and I mean no. the Bruins are they have to make up a lot of games. So having two veteran goaltenders in Allmark and Rask could help them down the stretch. Well, I mean, look at this point with the games in hand that they had and the points that they did manage to get, they're in a catbird seat. They, their destiny is in their own hands. So, again, I go back in default and say there is one playoff spot for four teams. That's really what we're looking at. I don't expect any of the top three in the Metro to falter to the point where they fall out of the playoffs. I'm not even sure they're going to fall out of that any of those positions. They might rotate positions in those top three, but that's probably it. But, again, wild card-wise, Boston's going to make it. I mean, I didn't think they would be that good this year, but, you know, it surprised me. And I don't re- think there's any reason now with the goaltending they had that they're not going to ha- hang in there. So based on that, Mike, you're talking about 
you know, nobody thinks Detroit will be in the playoff hunt, but right now they are. And then you're mm-hmm. talking about the Flyers and you're talking about the Devils. The Blue Jackets are still really in this, especially if they were to make moves at the deadline. And then maybe the Islanders, but I'd say no. And I've, you know, in sort of tracking what the, what's going on with the Bruins uh, recently, um, a player that's been called up and is actually scoring at a fairly decent pace is Oscar Steen and somebody who we know from watching Sweden in the world at the world juniors, he's got four points in five games. Um, and he's been, you know, he's been not wallowing, but he's been, you know, sort of developing at the American hockey league level. So, I mean, he, you know, so far, I mean, it, it's a small window. I'm not saying all of a sudden he's a superstar, but you know, he's contributing for them. Yeah, no, he is. Um, Tony Soprano went there and talked too good for Raycroft again. I mean, it's like, you know, how many, this is the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, I've said it on the show before I covered him in the world juniors. And I said, this kid is is a number one goalie in the NHL. Like he's going to be really good. I still can't fathom why the Leafs did that. I still can't fathom it. It's not the Leafs. It was John Ferguson Jr. Who's, 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 who's a complete idiot. Um, and, and I know I, I'm, I'm fully aware of that, but, but, uh, you know, again, that's a tip in the hat, tip of the hat to the interim general manager in Boston at the time, who was Jeff Gordon. So, you know, that was, yeah. a, that was a great move by him. Uh, yeah, uh, to go right. JFG and JFJ is working for, so basically what, what it shows you is that JFJ was a double agent all along. Um, <laughs> Oscar Steen uh, had 20 points in 16 games for Providence and now has scored four points in five games. So he's 23 well, years old. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's good start of the season and a good, uh, you know, good, good work so far. But like you said, they need, it, they need other scoring. So if they can bring up some guys and, and get hot, that's a big deal for them. Now, um, the Tampa Bay Lightning play again tonight. They've been after getting swept by the Bruin or the excuse me by the Rangers. Uh, they've played pretty well, um, and Nikita Kucherov finally returns. You know, Braden Point returned last week. Now they get Kucherov back, and they've been first place in the Atlantic without those two. Gee, they're yeah. going to really. Be- troubled with with them in the line but again right? would it shock you if like i don't know last month in the season for half of it they just go in the tank a little and they don't end up in first in the uh, division i could see that happening maybe but i mean there is a benefit to finishing in there first. there's a benefit but they won't push it to the point where if they oh, feel no. like rest is better they're gonna yeah. go for the rest yeah, no, no, and and unlike some of the teams in Canada, they've played. They think it's thirty-five games, so they're they're on they're on schedule, and they may end up having games uh, being rescheduled in that three-week break to lessen the burden, or you know, to play some of the Canadian teams or whatever. I mean, I so- mean, if I were them, sports science-wise, I would be working with Stamkos that way. Yeah, I mean, if they want to give him a, if they want to give him and Hedman a rest for a playoff run. I yeah. that they'll be smart. Um, we're we're going to do a shorter show because Eck, Eck had some issues, um, um, you know, that with the weather. Yeah. Right. Well, we can answer a couple questions, but I just wanted to bring this up because we heard about this breaking this morning. Uh, the New York Times 
is buying the athletic for $550 million. Um, now, I, you know, we have a lot of people that we know, a lot of friends, a lot of uh, colleagues who write for the athletic. I don't know whether this is going to be good news for them because whenever there's a takeover like this, usually the first thing that happens is that they, they call the herd. They, Mm -hmm. you know, they will, they will fire or lay off a bunch of people. And I hope that doesn't happen. Um, Personally, in terms of being a subscriber to the athletic, I, I, I've had an issue ongoing issue with their business model simply because as somebody who subscribed to them early on and I subscribe and I pay, you know, 40, 45 bucks a year. It's really insulting that they go out there and they're they're offering subscriptions for like $12 a year or even free as part of what is it, T-Mobile or AT&T or something like that, whatever subscription. I think that's, that. I think that's, that blows. I think that's terrible. Um, so, you know, I mean, Plus, I mean, I, I'll tell you right now, you know, I don't have a lot of respect for the New York Times. I know they have a lot of a, rep, a lot of a great reputation, you know, the old gray lady. Um, yeah. it, it's not that's not the paper that it used to be. It's gotten very, uh, you know, very circumspect in certain areas that I won't go into. Yeah, but they're still strong in other areas like they're still reputable. I, I think this is good news for some writers because they'll get to keep their jobs rather than if the athletic went under. And so that's good. I think it's bad news for probably some of the high salary guys that might get cut because they're going to look to do that. Like it's just, there's no way around it. The times is going to try and integrate probably some writers that they have already under contract onto the athletic. Like that's what I would do. And that's what businesses usually do. So yeah, I expect there'll be changes and look, we knew that this model was going to be a tough one to, to keep going and maybe the times i will say this of all the companies mike on the internet newspaper wise the times have been the best as far as subscriptions they always they're the ones that figured it out first well i mean if if you factor that in with uh, with how many times i see new york times commercials on youtube every time i you know i don't have the youtube plus or whatever the the pro version yeah. or whatever so i have to i have to wait through the commercials and every i swear to god every time it's a, it's a new york times commercial no matter what um uh, i'm watching so it's it, it it's annoying on uh, but anyway, um, but God knows I'm so I'm so it's so tough to annoy annoy me. Um, okay, goalie FP in the chat says, "Who do you feel the Rangers will target at the deadline? Right wing, defense, specific players." I think the Rangers will be in on Sherrod too. I do. I think they have a lot of assets. I think that Patrick Nemeth plays too much, and if you could replace Nemeth with Sherrod. That's a hell of a thing, and it won't be exactly like that because Sherratt will play higher up in the lineup, and you probably uh, drop down uh, K. Andre Miller, and that's and, fine too. And I'm, I'm, I, I wish we had Pete here, but for some reason I remember Sherratt playing with Truba. In uh, it's possible in, in Winnipeg, and that, if that's the case. Then well, that's another. Because Truba played right, played the right side, even though he's a lefty. He played the right yeah, so side. I mean, if, yeah. Now, will he be willing to do that again? Because he had that whole thing. If he is, if you have Truba and Sherratt and you have Fox and Lindgren, now you've got a team that's really formidable. So no, I think they're no. going to go through that. Would they like a depth 
center, a bottom six center, yeah, they would. Uh, if you could replace Greg McKay or or Heedle at this point, they would do it. Now, I mean, I know that you mentioned previously the Evander Kane speculation. That, that would all that would all be dependent on San Jose and maybe even a third team yeah. filtering. I still his, think the possibility exists. Yeah, filtering his seven million dollar salary because I mean, right now the Rangers have the 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 cap space to be able to add him. But the thing is, you have to be able to fit him going forward, and they have contracts like Fox's contract is uh, going up from his. Uh, ELC to uh, what 9.5 million. So they're not going to have that cap space next year. And, and Kane has three more years after this year at seven mil. So no, I Truba is a lefty. He's a lefty who played the right side. He's not a righty. Jake in the chat. No, no, he says he's a lefty. Oh, not no, a lefty. Sorry. He said Truba is not a, no, Truba is a left shot who yeah. played, who did play the right side. He in played Winnipeg. both sides. He did yes. it begrudgingly in Winnipeg. That's what uh, I was referring to. Mike Tinkle. Uh, sorry. Don't laugh at a guy's last name. Well, if that's your real name, I apologize. If it's not, that's funny. Um, would Nick Letty fetch a first rounder if traded at the deadline? Depends on who. Yeah, I think so. If, if if you're talking about one of the five best teams in the league and this pick is somewhere between like 27 and 32, yeah, they'll part with their first round. Looking something up. No, okay. I I, I apologize. He's a right hand shot. Yes. Okay. See, I got fooled on that too. Probably oh, that, because we saw him play the other side and we got fooled. Right. So, but you know, Sharat is a lefty, and that yeah, I mean that lends to the possibility. Well, there you go. Uh let's see here. Good job, Jay. Wait, the funky's like the Oilers could the Oilers could use anybody who could skate on defense. Yeah. That's how bad their defense is. I mean, I watched Cody Cece last night. That guy is an abomination right there, right now. If you put Andy Green on the Oilers, he'd play a lot more. The second best defenseman on the Oilers after you know, watching last night, and I've watched a few games of them. Darno Nurse is their best. Their second best is the Evan Bouchard. No question about it. Okay. Now Barry didn't play, and Barry is an offenseman. He's a he's a puck mover, a power play guy. Um, so if that's what your role is for him, then he's fine. Um, but you've got guys like, I mean, Russell didn't play last night, but you got guys like Logason and Duncan Keith, who I barely noticed last night. And we noticed them uh, offensively a little bit. Yeah. And CeCe. I mean, we know CeCe, like you have a minute. But I'm, but, I'm but I'm telling you right now, they, Ken Holland has to answer for trading Ethan Bear because oh, yeah. you're telling me that Ethan Bear wouldn't play on that blue line. Of course he would. Unless they never had any intention of paying, right? And his and contract then, up. Uh, his contract with Carolina. Sorry, just clicking here. Hold on a second. Um, okay, Bear, Bear has, is two million this year, and then he's a a um, arbitration right eligible. Right. So I think they probably just you know didn't want to go down that road. They should have. Um, let's see here. I don't know who Ben is talking about here. Oh, Hurdle. He's would Cheadle and a first round pick for uh, be a deal for? No, uh, they wouldn't do it. Yeah, I think they're going to get a little bit better prospect than that. Hurdle. If they're trading Hurdle, San Jose is going to get the the usual return for a top flight uh, rental, and that's a a player, a prospect, and a number one. 
Now, if, if, if it was Kako, you could get away with Kako on a number one. Yeah. And, and see, the thing is, if you're trading Kako, then you're probably wanting to re-sign Hurdle. Correct. You know, but that would depend on, okay, you know that, you know, since you have Zabinajad making, what is he making in the eights? Yeah. Um, that Hurdle would have to come in. Let's see. Uh, Zabinajad, 8-5. 8-5 starting next year. So um, you would want Hurdle to, to agree to something probably in the six range. And then let, you would let Strom walk. Right. But the problem is, I don't know if Hurdle is going to take that because, you know, he's he can get a lot more than that on the open market. I mean, he's making well, five, six. I'll, I'll say this. As far as Kratzoff, like Goalie FP saying, um, Kratzoff in that deal, they wouldn't want him. They need players. There's other teams that would take Kratzoff. And if he says, yeah, I'll come over in a year or so, they'd be okay with that. The Sharks can't do that. Especially for um, Hurdle. It wouldn't, the look would be bad for them. Yeah. Uh, Funky is asking about uh, whether Grice would be a good fit up, fit to back up Jari. Uh, since it, I don't think Casey DeSmith blows. They I, like I, him there, Funky. I, I do think if they didn't like him, that deal that you're saying makes sense. But yeah. they like Casey DeSmith. Yeah. Uh, final question here. Matthew in the chat says, what moves should the Flyers make at the deadline? Giroux, JVR, Broussard. Interestingly, um, Friedman on uh, the radio show to this uh, this morning said if he had to if he had to bet, he would think that Giroux is going to get traded. Well, I think last couple of weeks, Giroux has definitely been more annoyed. The last game in between periods first in between the first period, he was pretty uh, terse and was really not happy with the club, the way they were playing. He's clearly playing at a different level than a lot of the other players there, and he's not able to bring them up with him, but he's trying. I do think that could wear on him, but he does have a couple of kids, and he does want to stay in the area. So I really do think if the Flyers are smart, they start negotiating with them so they can see where they get to by the deadline. Because if they're out of it, and he really wants to get paid like top money, then they're going to trade him. Like that's going to happen. JBR, it's a, it's nice to say you're going to trade him, but you're going to have to eat some money. And Comcast may not want to do that. So that's a that's a tough one. Fletcher is on thin ice, and so for him to go to his boss and say, "Hey, we want to trade JBR, but we're going to have to eat fifty percent of that." Uh, I don't know if Dave Scott's going to go for that. Uh, Broussard, you know, he's not going to get you a lot. Justin yeah. Braun would get you a lot. If if they have to trade Justin Braun because all of a sudden the Flyers fall out of it, well, that's a lot. A second round pick, a second round pick, or a good prospect. Either way, and I think at this point the Flyers would take the good prospect because they do still need to have more guys than they have funneling through their system. But I will say this: there's been a lot of discussion recently about well, um, this guy Dan Silver, who I've been on a show that he's been on, said he found out from a scout that you know Hextall turned down. Um, Pasternak because he wanted Sanheim. Okay, that may be true, but I also have to tell people that a lot of teams passed on Pasternak because he was playing at the Czech Elite League. He was skinny. He was a risk. And not every team is willing to take that much risk with first-rounders, especially when you're rebuilding. If you want to blame Hextall, and, and Chris Pryor is part of that staff, if you're going to blame him for that, 
you can't blame them for all the other players that they have filled in in this lineup with a great draft. So it's like, decide which side you want to be on. The Flyers could have been the Edmonton Oilers and had Pasternak and not a lot of other great players, or they could have the players they have, which means they have a lot of players in the system, but none are a superstar. It's hard to draft a superstar. I mean, it just is. You could draft in the top 10 every year and never get a superstar for like five years. That's just the way it goes. Like Matt Matthews, you know, and Austin Matthews isn't in the draft every year. Yeah, It's just, okay, you know, we talked about Nugent Hopkins. I mean, he's not even close to a superstar. I looked at that draft and Gabriel Landeskog is way better than Ryan Nugent Hopkins for everything he brings to the table. And Huberto is probably better than Nugent Hopkins. So, I mean, again, that's what happens in the draft. Yeah, it's, what, it's it's when you're bad and who is available. And like, okay, the Leafs. Right, so here, here's the way it goes, though. So when you're bad and you have sold your franchise on a rebuild, and if you take a first-round pick that looks iffy, telling you back then there would have been a lot of heat for taking Pasternak, sure, it would have worked out. He was picked in the know that it's going to work out. He was picked in the twenties, so it's yeah. like I mean, but you know, when you're talking about the top of the draft, if you're you're lucky like Edmonton. You know, the year that you're bad and the year that you win the lottery, you get McDavid. If you're lucky like the Leafs, the year that you're bad and you win the lottery, you get Matthews. You know, New Jersey won the lottery in 2017. And I'm not saying this guy's a bad player, but, you know, they got Nico Heischer. And Nico Heischer in those drafts would probably be a fourth or fifth overall pick. Yeah. You know, in that I draft, he was – to say. I mean – And, and – no, and do you think do you think New Jersey is even though they like Nico Heischer, even though he's a good kid and he's having you know he's he's you know he's only what, 23 years old and he's going to have a, a really good career? Do you think they're kicking themselves that they passed on Kale McCarr or uh, or Miko or Miro Heiskanen or uh, Elias Pettersson? Maybe. Listen, teams passed on Heiskanen, right? I mean, it's not like Philadelphia again, did. Yeah, but other, you know, I mean. There are, there's, when you're selling your franchise on a rebuild, it's hard to be risky. It is. And I'm telling you, there was a lot of risk when it came to Pasternak. Yes, he had the flash. Yes, he was very skinny. You didn't know what was going to happen when he came to North America. And so they decided not to take the risk. Travis Sanheim is a really good player. He's not David Pasternak. Yeah, that's the I way mean, he goes. Pasternak was selected 25th. There's one player who was drafted ahead of him that has not played a game in the NHL still. Connor Bleakley. Yeah, and he may never. And he may never. Um, but, you know, you redraft you redraft that draft, he's either the second or third pick. Yeah, I'm sorry. And he wasn't in the Czech Elite League. He was actually playing in Sweden. Yeah, he was and- actually. He's buddy, he was buddies with the with Nealander. I mean, they, I think they right, played. That's right. And but look, look at the numbers. His, his the year before he was drafted, he had eight goals and twenty four points in thirty six games. From there, how are you supposed to know he's going to be a forty goal scorer or a guy who could score forty or or even forty eight? Right. Right. I no, mean, I, well, he. Well, I mean, he as a as a 16 year old, he had 29 points in 36 games for that same team. But but that was the junior level team. That's the junior team. 
Correct. Yeah, and as an 18-year-old, he had 24 points in the second level. That's the second level, right? Yeah, so yeah, anyway. look, now he's, you know, 190 pounds, and he was like 160 then. And he drinks a lot of coffee. Uh, <laughs> it all helped him, Mike. Yes. All right. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast. For Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just.